Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Adventures Podcast, brought to you by Yellow Hat Outdoors. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 12 of the Oklahoma Outdoor Adventures Podcast. We are coming at you live from a new studio space inside of Hudson's house. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing good. I'm well. Okay. You're well. That's good to hear. Yeah. Like a well of water. It's not, not going to be doing well when he finds out what I'm charging the company for this rental space. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Some big money. <laughs> That's good to know. Speaking of wells, we have a fountain of knowledge <laughs> in the room with yeah. us tonight. I thought that was a pretty good intro. We're back for round two of Mr. Tim Haas. Tim, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. How are you guys? I'm, well, I think uh, I think we're gonna call this Raiders of the Lost podcast. Sure. <laughs> in in the hopes that it actually works and I don't screw something up. Yeah. I think that's a good plan. That's my plan, at least. I'll yeah. tell you that much. Uh, yeah. Last time, as you guys know, we tried to do a podcast with Tim, and I screwed it up somehow. Still not really sure how. And I'm really hoping that that does not happen again. So here we are. Um, I think we're going to talk some elk hunting, maybe, some yeah. bow hunting. I don't know. Uh, Tim, I guess from the start here, we can kind of start just briefly. Um, when did you start bow hunting? Ooh. So I uh, started bow hunting in the uh, early 80s. Uh, of course, I've uh, hunted my entire life from probably ever since I could walk some of my earliest memories of my dad taking me and uh, and starting out just small game uh, hunting and uh, doing some uh, upland bird hunting pheasant and quail and uh, just you know kind of going up the ladder to uh, shooting squirrels and uh to uh, uh, and of course things are, are drastically different today than they were back when I first started because uh, um, when I first started the uh, entire population of uh, white-tailed deer in Oklahoma was uh, probably a fourth of of what we harvest uh, right now uh, in Oklahoma uh, each year so um when we were, when I was young, it was, uh, you, you saw deer tracks. It was big news at uh, camp that there was actually deer, a deer had walked somewhere close to where we were hunting. And if you saw a deer, uh, they probably uh, wrote an article about you in the paper that uh, the deer was spotted. Like seeing Bigfoot? Uh, uh, like seeing Bigfoot. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a big deal. So, um while I uh, chased whitetail uh, throughout throughout the late '60s and '70s in Oklahoma, it was a much more difficult effort than it is today. Yeah, pretty uh, barren landscape for the deer hunter. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you you've pretty much been at it uh, for the last few decades, then you would say. Yes, I you know bow hunting exclusively uh, for about. The last four decades gosh that's pretty impressive yeah i think that uh about triples the rest of the room here yeah in in experience levels i don't know hudson might argue with that but uh as you know we're not very good at math <laughs> so we were being reminded of that earlier today of our failures in um you know guessing sections and quarter sections and things so yeah i guess my dad's dad taught him what a quarter section was growing up i never had that luxury <laughs> yeah 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 so um tim you've been been bow hunting for a while um pretty much all around the state uh where where would you say kind of your favorite area in the state is uh that you've kind of chased whitetail oh man um I don't know if I can say I have a favorite area. My favorite area is being out in the woods. I whether it's uh, you know one of the great things about living in Oklahoma is the diversity of our landscape. Uh, if I want to go hunt 
dark timber, uh, big tracks of timber. I can go to southeast Oklahoma, eastern part of the state. If I if I want to hunt lots of ridges and and uh, and oak ridges and things like that, just uh, make my way a little bit northeast. Uh, if I want to um, hunt creek bottoms and uh, large tracts of agriculture, I uh, just start heading west. And so the diversity here is amazing and and i i love the challenge of of each of those um i so i i can't say you know romantically looking back nostalgia uh eastern oklahoma's where um i first deer hunted that's where the larger populations of deer were in oklahoma and so um that has some uh, the nostalgia effect with me but as the deer herd has grown here in our state um, I tell you, I've, I've really enjoy Western Oklahoma and hunting, uh, just those different landscapes. So yeah, a little different than kind of what you grew up Absolutely. doing. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. I was, it's just kind of crazy. We, we talked, I, I don't know, a couple episodes ago, just about all the stories of, um, Hudson and Landon hunting with you and Cliff and uh, a lot of those were in eastern Oklahoma, so I was just kind of curious what your thoughts were on that. Well, we we do love to, uh, I love to hunt public ground, and, and the big chunks of public uh, in Oklahoma uh, are primarily in uh, uh, the east. I mean, we have uh, public all over the state, but um, some of the bigger tracks where you can uh, get way back in there and really you're not going to get bumped or see many people um is uh around our our big reservoirs uh and those are found primarily in eastern oklahoma so yeah that makes sense i think um they were talking about yeah hunting around the cherokee wma that's i know that's one of the bigger ones for sure so yeah it's a it's a good one yeah we've been led on many of the famous tim hawes death marches miles back into the woods at 4 a.m. Yeah. Me and Hudson were carrying all their stuff, too. There's nothing like getting baptized in, uh, for being a Sherpa. And uh, we, I, you know, just gives you stories to tell and, uh, you know, give you guys a little princess uh, uh, light and a, a little... Uh, little pocket knife and you got to be good to go so yeah. you'll be fine yeah there's there's nothing out there to hurt we them. won't tell the stories of how many times i had to carry you guys uh back to the truck you know because you guys are scared so <laughs> that's all right you and you or cliff had an injury every time we went out there somebody because we're old yeah <laughs> but that's what needed some help carrying things or oh i forgot my jacket at the stand well and you guys are up yeah, I mean, we're spoiled because of the fact that whenever I was your guys' age, uh, or just about, you guys are, you know, mid-20s, and when I was in my mid-20s is when they just started coming out with tree stands. And um, and so, of course, having to have built our own or hunt on the ground all the time and uh, and having a chance to, uh, get an advantage um, we kind of went crazy and bought a lot of a lot of stands and the early stands of course uh, were heavy uh, and a big time workout now we got all these aluminum stands and tree saddles and yeah. all that lightweight stuff and it, we're just spoiled yeah I feel like the tree saddle thing is really a big fad right now kind of taken off because yeah. you can just be so mobile and stuff well, but it seems because i was going to buy some but it seems like they're even more expensive than the hanging stands yeah which i don't quite understand that no so i'm gonna stick to the hanging stands and it's kind of like sitka and kuyu gear you're you're paying more for less yeah but i some could people, some <laughs> i can't uh i can't uh i don't think i could handle a tree saddle i, I that looks like a double hamstring cramp to me so yeah uh, screaming in a tree is not the object so yeah the the thing that appeals to me about them is that you can kind of stand up against a tree i feel like i can't sit still very good so that 
that's the one thing that tempts me about them. But well, I'm not a contortionist, so that's what I see having to contort <laughs> myself around to try to get a shot. I have a hard enough time when I'm standing on something level, so it's just a <laughs> I'm falling over. And I stuff. think those tree saddles work great for you, young guys. Uh, we'll I I'll, I'll sneak hunt on the ground. Yeah. Well, um, I remember you saying that whenever you kind of got into bow hunting, it was about, I guess, maybe about our age, just right whenever you were in college. Yep. Isn't, is that right? So you went to school at Oklahoma State or OU? That's one of the universities I went to. Okay. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, so both of those are correct. Okay. Uh, no, yeah, I, uh, I remember I bought my first uh, compound bow out of uh, Walmart. Uh, PSC Stinger, or actually it's called Phaser 2. It was a Phaser 2. Weighed about 57 pounds, <laughs> and uh, I think it weighed more than its draw weight. Uh, and uh, with about a 10% let off, um, we uh, we didn't have releases back in those days, so you shot it with fingers or a glove. And, uh, and but no, I, uh, my longtime hunting buddy Armando, uh, got me into bow hunting at first i was skeptical but when he said we could it extended the season by several months i i was i was in and uh i remember the first time i shot a arrow at a deer um we at the time they had this device uh so we were all worried about whether we could track a deer if we shot it with an arrow how hard would that be so at the time they had, and they might even still have this product, it was, you attach this uh, device onto, it was almost like a, a, a bow fishing attachment. It went onto the front of your bow and, and it hooked onto your arrow and it was a real thin uh, like filament line. And so when you shot your arrow, it, the, it would feed out and so when you hit the deer with your arrow and the deer took off, it would just start taking this line and then you just followed this line. Jeez. That was the, that was the uh, premise behind the, Oh my gosh. and I, uh, I remember the first time I shot at a deer uh, with that device hooked to my arrow, it sounded like a machine gun going <laughs> off that line feeding out that plastic housing. And uh, there were actually about six deer right there and, um, uh, uh, they all ran for the hills, and I had a big old mess of lines strung out from here to yonder. I missed by ten feet. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Some things never change. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I feel like it would just be a big old like rat's nest whenever you shoot. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a stranger to backlashes. I yeah. could backlash anything. So. Did you ever use that product and have it actually work? Uh, no, but my buddy Armando did. Uh, uh, to uh, and which um, hunting public land we were hunting uh, public land in south central Oklahoma and he had that work and uh, it, I, I don't know it might have been a three yard shot though so it <laughs> Armando's uh, gets up close and personal so yeah. uh, much better sneaker than I am that's awesome I've never even heard of something like that I don't know I don't recommend it. Yeah. I think it's gone to the to the wayside there. It's probably a reason not everyone has one now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a shotgun blast going on. Yep. Yeah. It's not good. Dang. So um, one of the things that you've talked about with us before is sneak hunting. And you told a story about doing it um, up near Stillwater. Oh, and yeah. I want I want you to tell that story because I love that story. So um, I have lots of so lots of stories about uh, going to OSU. I um, uh, unfortunately uh, spent a lot of time in the woods instead of the classroom, and uh, we had access to some uh, uh, property near one of the reservoirs up there, and and uh, um, I pretty much was hunting every single day. Uh, and there were lots of lots of deer in the area, and, um, uh, which is all relative. And so, uh, sneak hunting, uh, where I would just 
pick uh, pick a route and hunt into the wind and uh, slide along from tree to tree, normally just leaning against trees and uh, normally wouldn't make it very far, just probably a whole day I would be just going just a couple hundred yards maybe. And, uh, and this particular day I was, um, I hope this is a story you're remembering, but it's, I was standing there against a tree and, uh, I see some movement, uh, through the uh, woods and I'm watching and it's another, what I thought was another hunter. And, uh, this guy starts, he's coming right at me and I, um, it was one of those deals where, uh, at first, you know, I was watching him and thought he might veer off one way or the other, but it just didn't realize he's coming right at me. And then he got so close that I realized, oh my goodness, he's he's right on top. If I were to move now, I'm going to scare him to death. And uh, he walked he walked right. I could have reached over and taken the sunglasses off his uh, face. He was oh that goodness. close walked right by me and you know I was kind of holding my breath just because I did not I didn't want him to have a heart attack Uh, because here I am I'm decked out face painted up head to toe camo and uh, with a bow in my hand and big old knife on my side and he's uh, he wasn't a hunter he I don't know what he was doing out there probably car broke down off of highway 51 and was trying to walk to civilization cutting through or something <laughs> just so, out, out for a stroll yeah. and, I'm picturing like I don't know if you guys have seen Rambo but there's that scene where he's like in the mud wall and he's like got a <laughs> knife and it's just like his eyes and he's like it's like raining and stuff I can just yeah. picture that like Tim just sitting there and just like literally all you can see is his eyes and this guy's just oblivious I wish I was like 5% as cool as Stallone is in Rambo, but it, it, I'm sure it was nothing like that. But uh, You you look like him stature-wise. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's such... I love that story because I think that's just like the most classic story of like you're actually probably doing it right if people aren't seeing you because then deer definitely aren't seeing you. Yeah, I... Uh... I, I really enjoy I still enjoy to this day I'll, I'll still do that on several hunts just I like today though I'll, I'll do it with traditional archery usually my recurve and that way they're not nearly as heavy as my compound carry that around sneaking all day yeah <clears throat> um, good grief there went my voice right there <laughs> like a little smoker over here um, where so you also do would you say you're primarily compound bow or kind of 50 50 with the recurve or when do you bring the recurve out i usually uh lately i've been trying to dedicate like the month of october you know that first month of the season to uh to my recurve okay Uh, when we get in the rut and there's the possibility of really killing some big deer um i i don't want to have to mess around with I don't know. It's just a confidence thing. I've I've actually been fortunate enough to shoot some big deer with my recurve, but um, I I like them both. I like I like the, the both and try to uh, try to be proficient in in both of those. Yeah, I uh, my grandma used to live next door to the Hawses, and um, she every time I would go over there, she would be like. I've, I've seen Tim out there on the roof again. I'm like, what's he doing? She's like, oh, he's practicing for bow hunting. He has his bow up there. <laughs> so you, you've been a long-time subscriber to the actually practice with your bow. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I have such nice neighbors. Nobody called the cops on me because uh, it is convenient to practice uh, elevated shooting when you got a two-story house just walk out one of the windows and upstairs and and uh then especially if you got three boys that can fetch your arrows for you i just just have my quiver on a rope drop it over the side have them put my arrows back in and reload it's awesome hudson you have some fond memories of having to do that (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then yeah i don't know it wasn't too bad but um well i guess 
so you've been bow hunting a long time, but yet more recently in your life you've had a new fixation of elk hunting and been doing that in Colorado and have you done any other uh, not personally just Colorado yeah I've uh, been of course on your great elk hunt in Wyoming but yeah I was just a Sherpa on that one yeah uh, so how did you get into elk hunting well my of course like I said my dad uh, is who got me into hunting uh, like most hunters it's you know somebody close to them introduces them and um i remember my dad going on elk hunts and um uh, just really to tell you the truth i i saw it as uh something that would be you know kind of cool to do but i i uh, then i'm a my career was in education and elk seasons in september and so the chance to go elk hunting as a school teacher or school administrator is really slim to get permission right as school starts to be gone for seven to ten days and so um, while always in the back of my mind I, I had a desire to do that I it really just while I was you know working and stuff it it just wasn't going to be feasible and so uh had the opportunity to retire from education about five years ago and and seeing that coming up um landon's uh talked landon's dad and uh, my other hunting buddy cliff to uh i told him that first year i said hey we're going to put in for a draw hunt in uh, uh colorado we're not going to get drawn we're just but we're going to get some preference points and and start gaining those so that we can uh, we had a, a friend in Colorado that uh, lived in a unit that you had to have some points and and uh, and but he he had access and some uh, knowledge of so we weren't going to be going just blindly into this uh, area and so we put in and uh, lo and behold June rolls around and we get this notification that without any points. Uh, Cliff and I got drawn in, uh, and so we were like, what do we do now? And uh, so we just decided to start planning, and uh, again, we had uh, we had kind of like a local guide, you know, that knew the area, knew where to take us, so um, Cliff and I, uh, I picked Cliff up after a high school football game out in western oklahoma and we just kept going west and uh our first year of elk hunting was absolutely magical it was what you see on youtube and all of these outdoor channels um that's what happened to us we we uh we went back into the back country we did a uh a spike camp just bivied out there and uh i remember the when we set the camp up that first time we uh it was kind of rainy we were in a hurry to get everything set up so that our stuff wouldn't get drenched day one hour one and uh so we we had been frantically setting everything up and i remember i went and sat down and uh on the just sat down and it was like trying to catch my breath say okay we're here we got all of our junk back here and um our our friend from colorado said well we got about an hour and a half let's let's go we go back down here and let's see if we hear anything calling i i i was completely uh greenhorn i had no idea uh, about how any of this worked I hadn't watched uh, all I knew is I'm with a guy that's done it before and I know that they bugle and talk they have their kind of language and so we start going we we get up and start walking back and our friend his name's Ted uh, he turns around looks at me he says where's your bow and I'm like oh we're taking our I'm still in my street clothes I don't I haven't even 
I didn't have my hunt stuff on. He said, get your bow. You never know what's going to happen. I'm like, oh, well, all right, here we go. So I went and got my bow. You know, we hike back to this big meadow. I'm sucking the oxygen out of the forest because we're at altitude. And I thought I was in shape. And first hill just gassed us. And Cliff and I are up there. We're trying to breathe. And Ted pulls his uh, call out. And he said, all right, I'm going to bugle. And he cracks off this bugle, and instantly you hear this re- reply, this big, loud uh, bugle. And Cliff and I look at each other, and um, both of us said at the, about the same time, that's fake. We're getting set up here. <laughs> this is absolute. There's no... Uh, he's got a buddy out here. He set this whole thing up. There's a guy over here, and he's calling, and they think we're just some yahoos from Oklahoma. And we were. I mean, we were just absolutely primo yahoos. And and then I turn and look at Ted, and he's. I could tell by the look on his face that, oh, wait a minute. this He's like, oh, my goodness, there's a bull right there. And uh, he didn't have to tell me twice. I... I uh, I grabbed my bow and immediately I just, uh, we were standing on a two track road and I bailed off the road and went toward the, uh, bugle sound, uh, for about 30 yards and stopped in a little set of trees. And, uh, then I hear Cliff kind of whistle a little bit at me and, uh, I look back at him and he's signaling at me and I look over and there's three cow elk at 30 yards broadside to me and i'm like this is going down we haven't been here five minutes this is easy yeah what is going on and 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 actually landon that's what i was thinking i'm thinking oh my goodness the hunt's gonna be over in five minutes and then i could uh i heard the bull down and it sounded like he was uprooting a 50 foot pine tree he was just going to town you could hear his horns just thrashing this tree and uh i had a either sex tag so i'm sitting there thinking do i shoot one of these cows they're right there i mean it was slam dunk shot uh which i'd say that relatively (laughs) slam dunk and uh uh and then I'm thinking, but I can hear this giant bull down here, just right here. And, and what if that bull comes up by these cows, you know? So then I'm thinking, ah. Oh. Then I look up and there's another bull up above, a, kind of a raghorn, and he's wanting to get in on the party. And uh, so long story, I mean, eventually it, it, we ran out of light and the cows just meandered off and... Uh, we go back to camp and and I did I don't know if I slept five minutes that night. Uh, one because every everything I heard out in the woods I was thinking mountain lion or bear, and two I was that whole scenario running through my mind. So uh, we had uh, several more encounters on that first trip. I mean, I was full draw. Uh, had need one more step on a, a real good bull and had a giant herd bull come in and uh, had him squared up at me at 40 yards and he let out a bugle that I still remember it just shook the insides of my guts it was so piercingly loud and uh, and so and, and Cliff to this day says that had that first hunt not gone so well, we probably never would have gone back because our, 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 our other hunts since then have, have not been, uh, nearly as, uh, as active. Uh, we ran into elk every day. Uh, that first hunt, uh, we were, we were close so many times and, uh, didn't want to leave actually, but we were worn slick families you know needed to get back and so that's what started it gosh yeah literally just lit a fire in you guys 
needless to say, I've watched about every elk video since. I've I have studied. I've been uh, to my family's uh, detriment of having to listen over and over to me uh, trying to learn more about these magnificent animals. Yeah, just letting out bugles in the house and. Every time I come I, over, it's he's got a different video plan. Yep. I literally think after that first year, like, for the next 10 months, like, that's what was Getting playing. For it. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's, that's, that's <laughs> the truth. And I'm not denying any of that. So what do you think? Have y'all been going back to the same place every year since then? No. Um, we've hunted that place. Um, so it's really, it does take preference points to get back in there um and we just for that first year i i call it divine intervention uh um is what got it started and um so we've we had gone to other areas every other year to um gain that were over the counter uh areas that allowed us to get preference points to get back into that area so we've hunted that same area three times now and uh, then we've hunted uh, other over-the-counter units in the off years so do you think what made that trip so special do you think it was just right place right time because i know elk are kind of like aren't they migratory so it kind of really depends on like the the weather conditions and the point in the rut that you're out there to where like how high up the mountain they are down in the valleys or whatever so yeah there's a there are a ton of factors um you know it's yeah a lot of it has to do with the weather and you know is it dry is it did the monsoon rains come uh how much food do they have i mean elk just like whitetail are slaves to their belly they're going to be where the food is uh and in september the the boys are going to be chasing the girls and the girls are all about eating because uh so um it's you got to keep those back then you got pressure not not necessarily hunting pressure you can have just recreational pressure going on that will uh kick uh elk out of their um you know just their routines so um it's been there there are some areas so what you have to do, the difference between elk hunting and whitetail hunting here in Oklahoma is um, you're hunting in like a national, uh, a million acre national forest. So unlike, you know, I know that 15,000 acres is a great big place, but you're also talking about thousands of deer in that 15,000 acres where you might only have a thousand elk in that million uh just depends it it, and so it's just much more difficult the the intriguing thing about elk hunting is the fact that elk are vocal deer are vocal as well but not nearly as loud uh, as elk and so learning how to call learning uh high percentage areas uh where I've got this million acres. I can't cover all of that. So how do I cut this thing down to uh, where I'm going to get the biggest percentage chance of seeing it and having a counter? And so I love that kind of stuff. I love e-scouting and and formulating plans and things like that. So that that you're right, Landon. It's a lot of uh, factors involved in just how to that it's the learning curve is huge and and the fact that you know here i i i can bow hunt in oklahoma for uh three three and a half months so my ability to have encounters with deer uh are just astronomically higher than when i'm going to go hunt elk for seven to ten days uh for that whole year and so you know you learn a lot from failure and but if you don't have an encounter you you can't i mean you can learn okay don't go there they're yeah. not but the, at the same time don't go there this day and then three days later it's a huge rut fest at that same spot because the elk are going to be where the elk are and so it's just challenging 
Would you say that there's like one, like, is there a factor that's like the biggest that you look for whenever you're kind of starting that e-scouting thing? Are you looking for drainages? Are you looking for like a ridge to glass off of? What's what, How do you kind of start that approach? I, uh, I tend to look for, I mean, elk need three things. They need food, water, and safety. Uh, so you, you look for places that, uh, again, it's a lot of whitetail, same thing. Uh, so you're looking for edges. Uh, you're looking for, you know, if you have agriculture in the area, big hay, you know, you got, might have a big cattle ranch, got big hay fields there. Uh, those elk are going to take advantage of that, uh, especially uh, if it's, if the forage is not as good. So uh, that particular year. So you're look, just looking for those uh, same things. Um, you're also looking for places that other people might not go. So, um, you know, there's all of us, uh, have a little bit of lazy in us. And, uh, if we can pull it off without having to exert a whole lot of energy, then we tend to go with that route and we'll say, well, I'm just hunting smarter, you know, and, and, and while that might be the case, um, and you can kill elk close to a road. I've, I've, I've had elk encounters 400 yards from camp. Uh, it, uh, you gotta look for places to say, okay, um, here's this trail and here's a great patch of dark timber on a north facing slope that's gonna be a little bit cooler than any other area. And you got water right there and looky there. I, most people just walk right past that. I might just slip over there and see if, if there's any sign in there. So it's just trying to uh, find little hidey holes and things like that. Yeah, so you, you try and focus on, yeah, maybe some of those areas that might be a little off the beaten path. Right. And Landon's correct. Uh, I tend to, uh, I'm not afraid to walk uh, walk aways. Uh, I'm, it doesn't scare me. Uh, to uh, what you got to be careful when you're elk hunting is uh, you're also dealing with elevation and uh, you get back uh, you put a uh, I haven't had the luxury of doing this and it's not a luxury but you shoot an elk you got to get it out Uh, and there are some places I've been my buddies have reminded me that if we shot an elk there we were going to have to eat it right there (laughs) Uh, because there had no way we were getting it out and so, you know, that sobers you up a little bit to say, okay, we need to get and out of this area because, you know, you, you, you got to be able to get the, the, the meat out. And, um, and I, a very famous uh, elk hunter uh, said recently in a podcast, uh, you put a hindquarter elk on your back and walk a mile in uneven terrain uh, uh, it's doable for the average guy, but it's going to get your attention. You walk two miles with that, uh, there's going to be some words coming out of your mouth, but you can do it. Uh, three miles, you're going to have a story to tell, and you're going to not want to have to do that again uh, in the near future. But after that, most unless you're in really, really good physical condition, um, you know, that's probably the max limit. So you got to keep those kind of things in mind. So you might have a million acres, but if a lot of it's roadless and you don't have access to horses or llamas or, you know, goats or whatever people are going to haul their elk out with, then got to be that got to kind of rule that out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's funny. You can always just be like, well, yeah, I'll just get way back 20 miles back in there. Well, that's fine. But how are you going to get it out? Yeah. Uh, you, you uh you better have some uh horses if you're going 20 miles back uh uh and or or maybe you're just a better man than i am uh which is a big or dumber or dumber yeah (laughs) i think that's why you want me to come now so i can just pack up all the meat out for you in all honesty uh that is exactly the reason why that's (laughs) i uh, I need you young guys to 
extend my range a little bit. He hauled me out there this past year. He he had a tag, and I had my track chair. His whole plan was shooting elk and loaded up on Hudson's Absolutely. mechanized wheelchair and have him pack it out. That's called working smart right there. That thing's a tank. We uh, we heard some eagles. Yes. Time. We did. We were actually closer than a lot of people think at uh, um, having that happen. So, um, no, that that track chair is going to earn its keep one of these days. That would be sweet. Pack out an elk by track chair. That'd be. Yeah. I'm in for that. Yeah, you could probably load the whole thing up, and that as long as my battery's not low, it'd probably be take the whole thing with it. With oh, it. absolutely. Yeah, Hudson's tank chair is a it's a good time. It's kind of cool. It's like literally has tank tracks on the side, or like, you know, it almost is like a bobcat, you know, uh, like a skid steer thing. Goes I've, faster though. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty quick. It's I've, awesome to blaze a trail through uh, public land yeah. uh, too. It's uh, you can he can knock down a whole bunch of thorns and uh, it's uh, and then when you get in the poison ivy, you just jump on the. Uh, rack on the back and just go for a ride to it. So, old bulldozer Hudson over there. Yeah. So they called him in football, and now <laughs> still him in the in the public land. It's a good time. So, uh, uh, well, do, do you have a do you have a question? No, no. Uh, hey, you go ahead, Hudson. Well, um, have you had any other close encounters over the years? Uh, you know, besides what we'll get from your last year's hunt, um, but in between over what has it been five five years of hunts yeah uh any other real close encounters or uh, encounters with other animals too yeah well uh that first year i had i was on the edge of a meadow one evening and and was standing there and saw something coming through the high grass i'm thinking oh this is gonna happen right here and uh then i was like that's moving weird and then realized it was a uh, cinnamon colored black bear uh, and oh it was gosh. loping right toward me and I'm like well that's not good <laughs> and um, I uh, and here it comes it's a pretty big animal so I uh, I put my bow down because I thought I need to up my odds a little bit and I carry a sidearm and I uh, racked a shell in that and I think the bear heard that and decided to make a right thank goodness and so he kind of just jogged off on through the woods but yeah we've had every year we've had encounters that uh, we had uh, so Landon's dad Cliff is uh, one of our really good callers and um, we were hunting some an OTC unit and we were had I'd taken them on a death march and we were back in there and uh, Cliff uh, let out a bugle and we had a uh, elk respond. Uh, of course, Cliff and Armando did the old same thing. That's a that's a hunter. That's that's not real. I'm like, no, that was a real one. And uh, we had Armando uh, was full draw on that. Or actually, he never drew. He that elk. Uh, uh, we had that elk going for twenty thirty minutes. We were in a perfect setup, and and uh, I know Armando still uh, has nightmares about that whole deal. He he actually should have harvested that bull, but um, we've had lots of great encounters like that over the years. Uh, uh, you know, whether it's bears or or uh, you know we've um, mountain lion uh, had a. We were just on a, a herd of elk, and they had dropped off into an abyss, and I wasn't, uh, even I decided we can't go down that thing, and so we had turned around to go back up a ridge, and I was kind of leading the way and saw some movement up ahead of me, and I thought, I told turned around and told them, I said, we got elk coming our way, and I'm watching, and, uh, and uh, then it turned, and it was a, probably, I mean, it was this only mountain lion I've ever seen in the wild, but uh, it was 
gigantic. Uh, it was probably 80 yards away, and I could just see the muscles ripping in its shoulders. Oh, and it grief. it turned and, and was kind of jogging over, and then it uh, hit our scent line and uh, did a 180 and came right back through. And <clears throat> um, uh, we were all kind of jaws hit the ground, and then, of course, it's pretty sobering when you hear your three hunt buddies uh, uh, draw everybody drawing their side arts out. Uh, you know, like uh, at least we were going to put up a fight if it. Uh, but you know, so those it's a little different uh, when you're out, you know, miles back in there, and uh, realize you're not the only big predator in the in the woods. That kind of gets me fired up. The only predator in the woods. But that is scary. I don't. Want, yeah. I don't want anything to do with a mountain lion. Yeah. Godly. Uh, so that was la- That mountain lion was last year, right? That was yeah. this last hunt. So, and then you had another. You had a good, good bull elk come in. If you, uh, I don't know, if you want to <laughs> tell that story. I just think about it every day. So. Um, Do we need to get a box of tissues first? No, I've got my sleeve. It's all snotted up anyway, so it'll be all right. Been cold today. You can borrow mine if you need it. Well, I no, we had, uh, we were, we were at the end of a week long hunt, and it had been a long week. We had really had. Uh, this was the third area we had gone to, kind of like Plan C. Uh, that area where we saw the mountain lion was Plan B, and it was it had been full of elk and we had been chasing them a lot but uh that mountain lion a much better hunter than we are and he uh those elk got out of there and uh so we had gone back the day after we saw that cat and uh couldn't get it didn't hear any elk and didn't see any so we went to plan c and got back that plan c was an area that i had scouted earlier in the summer and uh, it, um, the first mile getting back in there was, uh, challenging. And I warned my hunting buddies that, you know, if you, the first mile, you're going to think I'm crazy, but after that first mile, it, it gets a lot better. And, and to their credit, they took my word and got them back in there. And we hunted all that day and lots of sign, but again, you know, that's one thing about, uh, hunting in the mountains a uh, lot different than Oklahoma and that you're dealing with altitude and you get used to that after a few days but the the wear and tear of walking you know it's I equate it to like running half marathons each day if you're putting in the miles and um, but then you're doing that for seven days in a row you know so uh, by the end of the week we were pretty tired and we had we had gone after and so knowing that that mile was still ahead of us to go back down very rocky steep and uh, the guys didn't want to do it in the dark despite me calling them a bunch of sissies and telling them to you know man up um so uh cliff and armando uh, two hunt buddies they they were already back to the truck and i had uh my friend lane and i um i wanted to go check one more ridge i had seen a bull up there when we were scouting uh at in at feeding on the side of that uh, ridge uh earlier in the summer so i wanted to go at least call off that and see and we we made it up there and uh we did find a some bones of a dead elk uh, I didn't see any, you know. Is it a cow or a bull? It, I, it was a cow, and so. Uh, Dang, I was say, why didn't you bring the antlers back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, so we uh, we came off that. I we uh, packed all of our stuff in our uh, backpacks and strapped my bow to my backpack. Got my walking sticks out, and it was we were just gonna hike it back to the truck, and and that was it we were I'd, you know it season wrapped up and we start heading back and and as we were going down the trail lane was in front of me and we were walking through this tunnel of aspens and they were just golden it was 
And I was like, I got to get a picture of this. I mean, it was just an incredible view. And so I told Lane to stop and I took his picture and he started laughing and he said, come here. And he took his phone out and he had, he had taken my picture that morning at that same spot. And so he was like, well, you know, it's funny that I wanted to take his and he had already taken mine that day. And, and we were laughing about that. And about that time, a bull fires off on the ridge above us. And I'm like, woo. And Lane was like, no, nah, that's, that's too far away. I said, well, I'm, I'm going to call at him and just see if he answers. So I called and he answered. And I looked at Lane and said, grab your bow, let's go get this thing. And he said, I can't, I, I'm done. <laughs> he said, but I'll take your bow off and you can go get him. And I said, all right. And so I dropped my pack, he unstrapped my bow. I was getting, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have my range finder. I didn't have my, I didn't have my release. I didn't have any, all that stuff was packed up. So I'm digging all that stuff out, grab my bow and I take off up that ridge. I, I, I started, I was trying to sprint. I went up, got about 50 yards, gassed, completely gassed. I was stopped. I was going to call, but I didn't have any air in my lungs. So I had to stand there for a while and so I could, and then I, I, I called and that bull answered again. And I could tell it, it seemed like it was getting closer. So I sprinted another 50 yards, stopped, call, you know, gassed again waited called and uh that bull answered so i uh, then i just sprinted about 30 yards and just stopped i i uh since i was by myself elk have an unbelievable ability to pinpoint sound um and so i wanted to get away from where i had last bugled so i i sprinted up there and stopped in this little understory uh, brushy stuff and and uh, I'm sitting there trying to catch my breath and I look up and there he is I mean he is stinking monarch up there and he's looking down looking for that bull that was challenging him and uh, and he's watching and I'm looking at him and then he starts just slowly walking down the mountain and he's, he's waving his head back and forth and and I'm like uh realize at that time I don't have an arrow knocked I don't I, you know and so I took my eyes off of him and I'm getting trying to get an arrow out as quietly and without as much movement as possible I knock an arrow and I by the time I get all that done and I look back up he's walked over he's at about 30 yards from me and he walks over to a pine tree that's blown down and just starts going to town just raking it raking and and i thought i he was broadside to me at that point and i was looking for a shot but i had some brush in the way of his vitals and i thought okay i wind's good i'm gonna be fine just wait and i uh he i said he'll if takes two steps up and clears those vitals i'm gonna let him have it he takes one step up, turns, and starts walking straight at me. And uh, so here he comes, and and really the by that point I'm really not nervous, other than the fact I'm thinking, I think he's going to walk right up to me, uh, just point blank. I mean that's he's he's not stressed, he's not alert really, he's. Guess he's alert a little bit. He's looking. He's in search mode. He's looking for that bull that was yelling at him, and he's coming right at me. And he got to about fifteen yards, and I'm thinking this is as good as any. And uh, I, I have, I shoot quite a bit in preparation for everything. I was very confident in my whole setup, and uh, so I decided I was going to shoot that bull frontal right. There's about a basketball size hole uh, right there uh, at the base of the neck area where uh, you can get an arrow in. And it's a very lethal shot. And there was nothing in the way. Um, he had gone behind a couple of trees on his way to me. And so I drew, and he never hesitated. He kept coming. 
and I put the pin on him and pulled the trigger and uh, heard the arrow hit and as he spun I saw that my arrow didn't go all the way didn't penetrate all the way which was my first bad sign because I normally when you hit them in this area it's going to there's really nothing in the way but soft tissue so you're going to be able to really get a lot of penetration and that bull turned and took off up that ridge and and as he was running through the trees his antlers were hitting these trees these big pine trees and it sounded like somebody shooting a nine millimeter just go kapow kapow as his antlers are just hitting tree to tree he's just bulldozing up this ridge and uh i bugled after him to try to get him to slow down because i know he didn't know what happened and uh and then he kind of disappeared over this little bench and uh i sat down and tried to get my composure and and uh waited there for a little bit i did, walked up 15 yards to where i had shot him just to see if there was any blood on the ground and i looked over and i saw that my arrow had broken off where he uh, hit that first tree and uh and so i had i had a good bit of arrow in him and uh then uh i could see exactly which way he went because he had knocked about a pie plate a bit of bark off of every tree just these white patches on these trees where his horns had just scalped them and so i was like well i know which way he went so i stuck the arrow in the ground sticking up in the air so i could uh an an arrow so i could see and and uh went back down and and found laying down on back on the trail and uh, i'll never forget i walked down there and and uh, he said, man, I said, sorry about, he said, I'm sorry about that. I, th- I thought that bull would at least call back at you or something. And I said, well, he, he didn't call anymore because I just shot him. And he's like, what? <laughs> and what was amazing to me is that I had bugled a couple more times. That bull had answered. I had shot him the big quack sound you know you hear and and then that thing his antlers hitting those trees and me screaming after him with the bugle and lane didn't hear any of that and you know sometimes the topography and how the woods are set and 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 just kind of amplifies that noise other directions and uh so anyway we we uh about an hour we had about we waited for totally from shot till we started on track and was probably an hour and we only had about 45 minutes of light left and we uh we tracked that bull about 600 yards and decided to pull out uh to uh, lane had a plane to catch the next morning and so we walked out cliff and armando had been in the truck for three hours by that time you know they'd been down there racked out sleeping and probably knowing them had they both carry like a 7-eleven amount of food in their backpack so they'd already eaten two or three meals and uh went left the woods and uh, then cliff and i and our friend ted went back in there the next day um got back on the blood trail and we tracked that animal for another about 1200 yards and it dropped down into the other side of the mountain into another drainage with that had a tremendous amount of blowdown. Looked like a bunch of pickup sticks, just tree, huge trees laid down everywhere. Jeez. And so at that point, it became really problematic. Uh, we the blood started thinning up, and um, and there were numerous times I thought there he is right there, and it was just another tree, just. It, that elk could have been laying 20 yards from us and uh, so unfortunately we looked all that day didn't find him Ted and his wife went back again all the next day and couldn't find it um, there was some private land right there close we think it went on the private and mm-hmm. uh, and so 
though uh, drew blood and a great amount of it wasn't able to put my hands on that unbelievable oh, animal you think it's dead yeah I, I they're they're super tough I mean they're really I, I mean there's I've seen stories of and seen deals where elk survive with you know even on a like a one lung hit but um, I really I don't know what happened I I from looking and just remembering the shot and of course I, I had a GoPro on and didn't turn it on you know because it all happened so quick I was on the trail three minutes later I'm it's on I mean I'm just and of course I'm oxygen deprived so I can't think and I think I just went a little left and didn't get all the way into that and I think I did uh, hit him in on his on what would have been his right lung so I do think it was a lethal shot. Um, we had, you know, several murder scene size places of blood. So I mean, it, but it got to a point where, I mean, we put in probably grand total everybody, you know, twenty four hours of looking, uh, actively searching out, gritting and everything else. So I don't really think you can do too much more than that, you know just so unfortunate too it was heartbreaking and Gosh. heartbreaking for that that animal deserved better than that and and it just goes back to you know uh, i don't know if you can practice enough it's you just you get in those situations again i wasn't really nervous it wasn't like i had buck fever and was shaking like a leaf i i really had had enough time to get my breathing under control and i went through my shot process and all that so it just it's part of hunting sometimes especially archery hunting that small little things can affect uh you know whether you're gonna be able to retrieve that animal or or not and so i really try to put it on myself to do everything i can to to put a ethical clean shot on on animals and you know that same setup i harvested a nice oklahoma eight point this year and i mean put it through the well house and through a brush pile and everything else that i mean passed through and so yeah just how it goes i guess you know i don't know i know that you you said you think about that every day and you're probably not kidding you probably do think about it every day um i'm sure you've replayed it millions of times in your head uh that whole elk situation what do you think like is there something that you look back on and say man i really wish i did this differently i really wish i would have shot him here instead of here i really wish i would have waited to see if maybe he turned or oh yeah i you know all you always go in i always go in my mindset's double lung you know i'm gonna be about five or six inches behind that uh front shoulder crease uh, I'm not shooting them in the heart. I want to. I want two holes. I want a, a double lung shot, and I just believe that, you know, same as a whitetail, they're going to pile up quick. Uh, just elk are elk are tough, and but double lung them, it's it's over. And so, of course, you know that in hindsight, I would you know, it might have been at six yards because uh, that thing was. I mean. It, there as big as a truck and 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 i will be honest i mean there's a point where i'm going i don't know how close i want this thing to me i mean yeah. it's it was coming and and uh so yeah i woulda coulda shoulda i second i replayed that so many times on you know to the point that when i knew that i didn't that arrow didn't go exactly where i wanted i've you know the really i should have just said lane let's go to the truck you know we'll come back tomorrow uh and uh we, i don't think we ever bumped that animal uh, i didn't ever hear anything like that we we were really diligent in our looking and and i just think it was part of it was just unfortunately for the terrain um because it was it was official rough uh, steep and rough so yeah it was a real deal yep well uh i don't know i think i'm i think i'm about ready to wrap it up here 
we've taken enough of your time. I appreciate <laughs> you telling us some stories here. If you, uh, if any of that sounded interesting to you, never been elk hunting, any of that sounded interesting. Uh, we're definitely going to have more elk shows on here. I know my dad wants to go over how to, you know, even get your name in the pool to get a tag in any of these states around us. I mean, really, mainly out west along the Rockies and stuff. But uh, that's all available to us in Oklahoma. I mean, sure, it's out-of-state stuff, but it's definitely on the cards and... We got resources and information for you if, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know. Um, we can, we'll probably do maybe a blog on it, but also uh, definitely talk about it a little more um, as the summertime and all the, uh, you know, all those deadlines start getting a little closer. We'll talk about it and uh, maybe share some tips and stuff. So. And if you see our Instagram post for this episode, if you came from that, the picture that we posted is the picture in the golden aspens right before right before the shot happened so you'll see that yeah awesome. you'll get to experience it so tim we really appreciate you coming on and uh spending some time with us i appreciate you guys uh having me on it's a lot of fun and i enjoyed listening to uh all your conversations and and uh i'd love to uh i'd love to help people that want to you know, a lot of people just say, I, "I there's no way I could do that. And you can. And love to be able to help people get out there and enjoy God's creation. It's it's uh, it's amazing. And and really, to tell you the truth, it's harvest is all the bonus. Having encounters with elk, but spending time with your buddies and uh, going out, those are, the, those are the unbelievable memories that we have. And I cherish those. The, the trip out and back in the truck is... Almost as fun, uh, uh, just uh, spending time with your friends. So, Absolutely. thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. I feel like that's exactly what we always say: is like it's great to harvest stuff, but it's really good to be in creation, spend time in fellowship, and uh, you know, just get out there and experience something new and make some memories and stuff. So, Absolutely. Landon, you got any final thoughts for us tonight? Tim, you better start training because when September rolls around. I'm teaming up with you, and we're going up there. Going up I, the elk. I cannot wait till an elk just blast you in the face. I and I'm going to have my GoPro on. Uh, it is going to be epic, and you're going to. The elk hunting is. I, I apologize to Kelsey right now. Yeah. Because once I take you, it's going to cost you a lot of money and a lot of honeydews, because uh, yeah. you're going to be hooked. That's why I've been putting it off the last few years because whenever i start doing something i go way too deep into it so but i think that time has come i know you're gonna be so addicted to that it's not even funny (laughs) yeah we're gonna say goodbye to landon for the next (laughs) yeah 15 years of september's (laughs) goodbye to his money yeah yeah so anyway thank you guys for tuning in tonight um to another episode we really appreciate all the feedback. It's been fun to get messages and um, know that you guys are listening. So um, if you have ideas of things you want us to talk about, any um, cool guests or anything like that, um, please let us know. Keep liking our uh, stuff on Instagram and Facebook, Yellow Hat Outdoors. Um, check out our website. Maybe be posting some blogs about um, applying for the elk hunt and everything. And, um, yeah, we, we appreciate it. And until next time, we'll talk to you then. Peace. Bye.